Warren Buffett, BlackRock, and other institutional players dominate investments in commercial aviation. Why? Because it's one of the most profitable and predictable alternative assets that exists. And it's not tied to other markets such as real estate and the stock market. Is it safe? Well, imagine triple net leases to the likes of American Airlines and British Airways. Income is contractual and guaranteed by some of the biggest named airlines in the world. That's why this kind of investment was never available to the ordinary accredited investor. That is until now. Visit accesswealthaviation.com and check it out for yourself. Invest in an institutional team with over 200 plus years of combined investment experience in the aviation sector. Conservative investing with double digit returns and tax advantages. That's accesswealthaviation.com. Accesswealthaviation.com. You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast coming to you from Montecito, California. And if you listening to this show and you've never visited this site called wealthformula.com, it's probably worth doing so. There are lots of other resources there, and that's also where you're going to go to sign up for some of our lists um, if you're interested in signing up for our accredited investor group. This, I believe, will be a, a good year to do that. Uh, if you are accredited and you are an accredited investor and you're interested in potentially looking at private deal flow, as I think that 2024 will be in a, a year that will, um, will probably help people uh, really change their fortunes in the future. It's one of those years, I think it's going to be an inflection point uh, that... Uh, much like 2012, that if people are of the right mindset, uh, they can take advantage of some good opportunities and not wait till the froth comes back. Anyway, uh, check that out. Wealthformula.com, join Investor Club, because who doesn't want to be part of a club anyway? As for today, I want to talk a little bit about, I want to talk a little bit about different perspectives because I will be having my colleague, fellow podcaster MC Lobster on the show. Uh, he's the one who I'm interviewing this week. He's also known as the Cashflow Ninja. You know, it's important to have different perspectives. Um, and let me just tell you a little story. So during college, uh, I spent summers working in labs. And one summer I spent uh, in the laboratory at the University of Chicago, uh, where my uh, biochemistry mentor in, in, in college Dr. John Tomasco, who, who passed away a couple of years ago. I just figured that out. That's really sad, by the way. But where he did his PhD, he did his, la he, he was, uh, the, he was um, uh, the youngest uh, PhD ever to graduate from the University of Chicago, the, the, the fastest PhD uh, in biochemistry. And he did it as his PhD in a lab uh, that was, started by a Nobel laureate by the name of Charlie Huggins, a surgeon uh, who won the Nobel Prize for discovering the, that uh, prostate cancer, most prostate cancers were actually dependent on testosterone. So his, uh, his discovery led to a lot of people living basically by removing their testicles, which, you know, that sounds painful, but it kept people alive uh, and, it, and it showed this hormone uh, in uh, dependence of these cancers anyway it's a big deal anyway so charlie huggins ends up uh, passing away and he uh, his um his star student was a guy named by shatsung liao who ultimately trained my mentor and liao was the the lab when i was there and he did some trailblazing work of his own he did a lot of interesting things with green tea so anything that you you know of that's related to green tea and cancer which probably liao was behind it he was brilliant, and for a biochemistry geek like me, uh, he was a fascinating character to be around. And the reason for that is he thought differently than most. His thoughts were truly original, right? He was trying to do different things. He wasn't just trying to, to piggyback on what others were doing. Um, and that's what he demanded of people in his lab, his postdocs and students um, that were coming in like me. In fact, one of the things that he used to say, and it was sort of an unusual philosophy for an academic, was don't read too much. He felt that reading others' work and reading too many journals and all these types of things about, uh, about the specific area that you were focused on actually could be detrimental because it would 
sort of influence the direction of one's own thoughts. In other words, if you started thinking about, you know, say some pathway that might be involved with cancer and you kind of got stuck on that pathway and everybody's talking about that pathway, then you're not looking for other pathways, right? So he didn't want postdocs to simply follow and expand the ideas that others were proposing. He wanted them to have their own ideas. So anyway, that that may or may not uh, be of interest to you, but I it's an idea that's always stuck with me and it's reminded me uh, it reminded me the other day when a, a fellow podcaster asked me which podcast I actually listened to. And he, of course, uh, uh, this person was assuming that I listened to a bunch of other personal finance shows, which maybe at some time I did. But I listed my top shows and they included Purple Daily, Minnesota Vikings football uh, daily podcast, and The Drive with Peter Atia, which is about health and longevity. The truth is I don't listen to any other investing or personal finance shows. I used to, like I said, but I realized there was a little bit of an echo chamber uh, in the uh, the alternative investing podcast ecosystem. And just like Liao had warned about, uh, warned in that cancer lab that I worked in, I, I started just saying and believing what other podcasters were saying. If you go back and listen to me, literally probably about nine, 10 years ago, I sound a little bit, I sound different. I sound like I'm, you know, scared of the zombie apocalypse and I'm talking about gold and all this kind of stuff. And anyway, uh, I've obviously uh, evolved, changed differently. I think differently and who knows, maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong, but at least it's independent thought now. And it's helpful because I'm also fortunate enough to be interviewing economists and, you know, other smart people every week. Uh, the show's gotten uh, big enough and, you know, the reputation is good enough so that we've got good people on the show and I can just ask them what they think and then, you know, I don't have to go to the the echo chamber, so to speak, and just listen to others. You know, one thing is clear about even the economists that I have on the show. They don't agree with each other, right? So if they don't agree with each other, there's clearly no fact. Of, uh, there's no... Uh, there's no clear, clear answer what's on the horizon or what's happening. Uh, so, you know, you can think that sometimes if you listen to, you know, a lot of the similar podcasts that there's something very obvious that's happening and there's not. So the moral of the story, for those of you who listen to me, I encourage you to listen to others, especially those who do not agree with me. It's important to hear ideas of multiple sources, uh, from multiple sources when it comes to anything that you want to know about and then that you might that you might actually act upon. Uh, same thing goes for my podcast on uh, longevity, health and wellness, which hopefully you're listening to. It's called Sapio with Buck Joffrey, right? I mean, I, no, I, granted, I, I feel like I focus in on the hard data and the science that is when I tell people what I think's going on. But, you know, there's others out there that you might want to listen to as well along that line. I certainly do in that space because I'm still learning a lot. But on the other hand, you know, economics is not a hard science, right? It's hard because you can't just go to a, a journal and cite a bunch of studies that have statistical significance and say that this is very likely the truth and this is what's going to happen and all that kind of thing. Economics is a social science and it's based on theory similarly if you look at personal finance we talk about personal finance of philosophy similarly personal finance is personal right that's why it's called personal finance so it's best again to learn a lot of different perspectives and philosophies out there and see what resonates with you and sometimes it's it's good to get together with others and maybe compare notes. And that is exactly what I'm going to do on this week's Wealth Formula podcast. I am sitting down with another well-known financial podcaster and overall good guy. His name is MC Lobsher. He's, uh, you know, he talks to a lot of people. He's got a very, uh, he publishes a lot of podcasts and has been at this as long as I have. We're going to sit down and just basically compare notes, see what, uh, you know, see what he's hearing, see what I'm hearing. And uh, just give you a little bit of a perspective from somebody other than me. And we'll have that when we come back from these messages. What do the Rothschilds, the Romneys, and the billionaire hedge fund managers know that you don't about growing and protecting wealth? As you might imagine, the wealthy have a few tricks up their sleeves. One strategy allows you to grow wealth tax-free at a compounding rate with no volatility 
It protects your money from creditors and lawsuits, and it lets you invest the same money in two different places at the same time. How about that for amplifying wealth? To learn more, go to wealthformulabanking.com. Again, that's wealthformulabanking.com. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, my guest on Wealth Formula Podcast is a fellow podcaster, and he is a good one. Uh, his name is MC Lobsher, otherwise known as the Cash Flow Ninja. MC uh, has been on the show a few times. Uh, he's uh, he's a, uh, a guy in the ecosystem that I think a, a lot of. Uh, he's a very uh, he's a very good guy, and I think he's a um, you know I think it's it's important to kind of understand who it is that you're listening to when I can uh, personally vouch for MC as a, as a guy who's uh, looking after your best interests. So with that, uh, welcome to the show, MC. How are you? Very, very good. Thank you. God, great to be here, Buck. I always uh, enjoy our conversations. So I've been looking forward to this one. Yeah. So, you know, we were just kind of talking. We figured to make a, an interesting show. I mean, you and I both, um, we talk to a lot of people. We interview a lot of people, and we're in, in sort of some unusual times. Uh, what uh, what kind of general themes are you getting in terms of the economy, like where we are, what's happening, and why? Because there's some unusual uh, aspects of this economy that don't really follow the rules. Um, what what have you what have you been hearing, and what you know? I'm just your feedback. Yeah, I've had uh, some extremely interesting conversations uh, with, uh, with guests on my show, and I'm also part of a lot of different networks, and I'm actually in um, this one particular group, which uh, involves like money ma managers all around the world, so they're all over the place, hedge, hedge fund people, yeah. influential people in the financial world and so forth. Um, and it's interesting, the conversations that's going on. Uh, I think some of the themes, here's some themes that are st sticking out. Um, and I kind of summarized it as, as almost like wealth maps, right? Because sometimes you could use certain concepts as kind of a map, right? If you're trying to go from point A to B, um, you need a map and then yeah. it's like, okay, what vehicle am I going to, what vehicle am I using? Is it a car? Then I need a roadmap. Is it a train? Yeah. I need a rail map. Yeah. Do I, am I flying this aerial map? Um, so some of these maps, um, that, that have been shared is there's, there's a couple of them and it, and it involves cycles, right? The maps include cycles. So sun comes up in the morning, goes down in the evening. That's a cycle. You know, there's four seasons. Um, and I just want to preface that because, when I share these cycles, people think I'm either very optimistic, <laughs> overly optimistic, or they think I'm very pessimistic. And I'm like, no, if I'm standing on a beach in the middle of summer and my Speedo going ready for a swim, I'm not over op optimistic. I'm just dressing for the weather, right? And if I'm in my ski boots all bundled up, <laughs> you know, in yeah. daily ride or somewhere in Colorado in the middle of winter, I'm not negative <laughs> or pessimistic. I'm just dressing for the weather. Um, so some of the maps and, and cycles that they're sharing is there's a ton of it coming together, right? You've, you've got empire cycles, which a lot of people have been talking about where you have an empire that is pretty much stretched yeah. and at the end of its ropes and just hanging on. Um, and the rest of the world are seeing this and um, nest, well, previously to dealing with, with, with the American empire, with the U.S. empire, everybody would kind of like stay in line. But, you know, just like in a classroom with a teacher, all the kids are quiet, but then the, the teacher loses control of the class. And now okay, there's like chaos in the classroom. Yeah. So you got a couple of difficult children to deal with that are seizing an opportunity. And that's kind of what's happening. And you see all of these geopolitical things. I mean, pick your spot in the world. It's all over the place. Um, and this is just, I mean, the central theme there is there's new alliances being formed. They've already been formed economically. And everybody knows of the BRICS. The next thing is military alliances. Once the U.S. went out of Afghanistan, who sat down with the Saudis in the following month? The Russians. Yeah. She so had all these different alliances being formed. So there's a little bit of a power shift. So that's one theme that people are uh, looking at and, and seeing how this develops. The other theme is, of course, the monetary system. 
currencies come and go, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, before the United States beca became the global reserve currency, it was it was the British pound. And you've had all of these different empires at one stage that, that had that mantle. You know, and I think the difference, and this is why I appreciate our conversations too. There's a lot of doom and gloom sometimes in the alternative space. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, you British think? Didn't, didn't, yeah. Yeah. The <laughs> British pound didn't collapse and it wasn't like Mad Max and the end of the world and yeah. all these things and went away. No, it's just, it was a power shift that went to the U.S. and they're still a player. The British pound sterling is still there. It's still being used. They still have a bond market. Um, so you got all, of, you've got that going on. And then if you look at um, the economic cycles, when you get to like global and and now, I mean, there's four cycles, right? You, you have, a, you, you have a, a economy that, that starts, that grows, that reaches it peaks, it's peak, it declines. And then it like basically hits a trough and then it recovers again. And I feel like uh, from a lot of the people that I'm speaking to and a lot of the groups that I'm at, I'm at, we're off our peak. And we're kind of into the, the declining phase. And again, this is not negative. This just presents a different environment with different opportunities. Um, and then, of course, we've got market cycles in between these. And, and all of all of the different asset classes are so different, right? You can argue that we've already seen, um, if your listeners are familiar with like the psychology of the Wall Street kind of mindset, I think that chart made its way all across the internet uh, to showing where we're at. But essentially, it starts with depression. And then that's where the it's blood in the streets. The professionals are coming in. Um, in the depression phase of a market cycle, this is where you hear stuff like this. Tech is dead. Well, Google and Amazon didn't get the memo. Um, we also heard, you probably remember in 2000, what was it, 2010, 11? Remember how uh, we read in the newspapers how they said real estate will never, ever be an, an, a, a good place to, to warehouse money or to invest in ever again? Like yeah. you'll never make money again. Um, so you have that depression phase and that's when the pros come in, you get an uptick, you get a recovery going, more people are coming into, to that space. Eventually that started, starts to take off, accelerates. And now the market is there. It's real. And everybody starts piling in. And then when everybody starts piling in, you have over exuberance, you've got people doing a lot of irresponsible stuff. Um, if we think real estate, it was four or five houses with all these mortgages because you just refinances and, and buys, right? Because real estate just keeps going up. <laughs> Eventually the, yeah. the music stops. In the crypto world, by the way, we saw the exact same thing in the last cycle. You had um, custodians, mm -hmm. which are no longer around, by the way, like BlockFi and Celsius, where people would buy like crypto, yeah. collateralize it, buy more crypto. And I'm, I'm like, that's basically what happened with the mortgages in, right. in, in 2008. Um, and then, you know, of course, the smart money is out before then they go into capital preservation mode. And then you've got and, th and then you've got a, a, a sharp pullback. Um, and this takes a while. And eventually the smart money comes in and just buys it again. Right. And mm -hmm. more well shifts from the people that already have it, the smart, the smart money um, uh, again from the general public. So that's some of the themes. So the big yeah. theme, I think, like what is like. Um, you know, you've got to play defense and you got to play offense in your wealth strategy. And at some stage you play a little bit more defense than what you play offense. Um, Cause that eventually, I mean, there's so many cliches, defense wins your titles, offense wins your games. Um, you know, when I, when I was a young kid, <laughs> when I was yeah. a young kid in South Africa, um, I took boxing and I did karate too. That's where the martial arts kind of stuff comes in. But I remember a boxing coach telling me, you, you know, in the beginning, it's all you do is basically just get your stance, protect your face, duck, weave, you uh -huh. know, and strength and conditioning. And I, I was like at one stage, well, when do we start hitting like, <laughs> you know, bats and other people? Like, I'm, I'm here for the boxing, right? And the coach said to me, he said, MC, the first thing that you have to learn when you're going to be a boxer is not to get punched in the face. The second thing is to go punch the other guy in the face. Yeah. And I said, okay, well, that, that makes sense. <laughs> so yeah. it's kind of a similar kind of uh, thing when, when you think about wealth right now is the theme is do you play a little bit more defense, look, pr focus on capital preservation and still go after opportunities that are available, but you just change the game a little bit. Yeah. I would say a few things, a few comments on that. 
uh, as far as like the, the global stuff, I think that is like sort of been an ongoing conversation for a long time. And I think the alliances uh, that are out there, the BRICS that you're talking about, the Russian Chinese alliances, um, those kinds of, I, I think that, I think that in, in a lot of these conversations though, there's, um, there's an element that I think that people don't, that, that people ignore a little bit. I think that prevents some of these major things from happening. And one of, and, and, and for that part, I would say military strength. It continues to be the, the case that the United States is the most powerful military in the world by a long shot. And, and mm-hmm. messing with our economic system, you know, we'll almost, you know, I mean, look at what happens to leaders when they, when they go down that road, right? They don't last long. And so, I mean, that's, that's one thing I would say now, not to say that there's not some, um, potential for some global, uh, you know, reorder and stuff like that. But I do think that people underestimate maybe the, the strength of the military industrial complex and all, all that in the U S that, that prevents some of these larger global things from happening. Now the, you, you know, you look at like the pound sterling and, 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 and the the British losing control. They didn't. I mean, they they were and they had military might, but then then they didn't, right? And they 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 weren't really be able to protect their position. As far as the economic system, one of the one of the things that I've noticed and what I've talked about is that you know there is a discordance between what the numbers show and what people feel. And uh, I'm of the I'm of the uh, opinion that we're looking at the wrong numbers, right? Like so, so it's almost like we we've we're used to driving in the world of cars with gasoline, and you know, and we're still looking at how much gas we got left. <laughs> we're looking to see if we need an oil change, but in reality, this this world there's a Tesla. It's an electric car, and we should be paying attention to other barometers. So, so whereas like you know. We we used to look at um, uh, you know these unemployment numbers and all that. It's the the reality is the way that these numbers are being calculated right now is is very challenging, right? Like you've got part time jobs, you've got you've got um, you know people out of the workforce after COVID that never came back. You've got all those kinds of numbers. Then you have GDP growth. What is GDP? It's basically activity, right? I mean, it's activity doesn't necessarily mean a lot of uh, uh, a lot more than that. So, uh, and then in the meantime, we've got this you know huge inflation issue, and and so they're just the the thing that strikes me is that I, I we are in a in a you know you talk about cycles, and I would I think I would take comfort in the idea of cycles if I could, but it just feels like those the rules are all off. It does. It just feels like the rules of the game have changed and I don't really know what the rules are. So I, and, and, and so where do you look for um, what's going to happen next? If you can't, if, if you, if the rules have changed, you know, if the goalposts have changed, like, you know what I mean? So that, that's kind of an ongoing theme I've been trying to get my head around and I still can't. So. No, it's, it's to your point too. So with a lot of the stuff, you know, globally, unless there's a a massive event coming out of uh, left field, a black swan or a gray rhino is a clumping from South Africa. You could, you could see those a little, you could hear them, but sometimes it's a black swan. Sometimes it's a gray rhino, unless something like that, it's not, it's not going to happen, you know, during our lifetime, these things take a, take a while. Um, and, uh, what's interesting though, is because of how the dynamics have played out is the capital flows Mm -hmm. and where it's flowing to. And there's so many different, uh, things that are being forced globally. I think in the marketplace, which leads to a lot of distortions, right? Whether it's energy markets, uh, you know, in the commodity markets, we've seen certain things, but it's interesting to watch the capital flows, how countries and regions are positioning itself. I've got uh, several friends that, that live in Dubai and the <laughs> inflow of capital into that place yeah. has been quite crazy. So there's been a lot so, of folks. So what are example, they, with, with money flowing into a place like Dubai, what is that money going into? Like what, I mean, 
I'm curious what the, and what are they investing in Dubai? Yeah. So businesses, uh-huh. um, there's a lot of businesses there. There's a lot of, um, there's some real estate or, already that, but that that's kind of taken off already. Um, the, the real estate there, but it's just interesting, like a place like that, that's kind of state neutral and welcome all capital from all sides. You got people from Europe, you got mm-hmm. people from uh, Asia and so forth. So that's interesting. Um, but to your point, like the whole cycles, there's just so many, there's so many things that I wouldn't say it's, it's, it's new. We've never seen it. We've seen disruptions, but like take AI, for example, it's going to disrupt so many, so many businesses and so many industries. And it's underlying that there's a lot of disruption happening. And a lot of people that don't understand what's going on, they get caught off a little bit off guard. So, you, you know, to your point, a lot of people feel, oh, well, the economic numbers doesn't make sense because this is what I'm experiencing. But then there's the AI side coming in. So you might have folks that, you know, their wages have stayed flat and they're not, they're, they're struggling, but unbeknownst to them, AI is basically ready about to roll in and, and basically take jobs in the field or in the industry that they're in. So there's so many things happening. It's a very, I have to say, this is a very interesting time to yeah. witness all these different yeah. things. Uh, it's not boring, if that's for sure. Yeah. So we, we, we both obviously talk about investing and, and your, um, you know, your show, you, you know, you're known as the cash flow ninja. So you and I both are a big, big fan of, uh, these uh, various insurance product uh, products. Um, you know, I, I talk about, um, you know, our version being well formula banking and, uh, some of the other, uh, types of um, index uh, universal life leverage products. And we have, you know, velocity, um, the wealth accelerator, some of these things that we call, um, we've, we've got some names for them, but bottom line is they're all very similar things. I find that um, right now, I mean, that's certainly one of the things that I have been suggesting people look into because, you know, again, in, in a fairly volatile market, um, insurance products have, a pretty darn good track record uh, in these spaces. In fact, if you look at something like a um, indexed universal life type product, which we which we call Wealth Accelerator, you know, having the guardrails, uh, you know, on the downside and being able to take the upside and leverage it, volatility in that situation is is actually really a good thing. So, so I'm curious, uh, is that um, is that kind of how you've been talking to your group too about stuff? Yeah. So if you think about um, how a lot of people are feeling, investors, mm-hmm. they feel a little bit uncertain. There's there's like, uh, how can I say, not confusion, but people feel uncertain. They 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 look they they're not seeing a lot of stuff that makes them feel overly confident that this is going to definitely be a be a hit if I invest in this. Um, which is interesting times to invest in. So the first thing is that then obviously you have to have a pretty good strategy where you have several buckets, um, you know, and this and, and the insurance bucket is a fantastic bucket to have guarantees, to have predictability, to have that security, to have that certainty in a very uncertain marketplace. And that's why cash is a big part of, you know, uh, the strategy right now that I'm talking about. Um, and where do you protect? capital right now, right? We've looked at the banks, which is very interesting to see what's going on there. We've already had seven go down. What is it? 10 been downgraded, mm-hmm. 11 on a watch list. Mm-hmm. And you've got, you've got actually a lot of disruption within the banking industry. I just spoke actually over the weekend to one of my friends, uh, which is, in, which is a banker. And um, he was just saying that, you know, even on the retail banking side of how many locations they were closing. And of course this makes news. People draw their own conclusions. Oh, all these locations are closing. Well, there's a lot of technology rollouts. They don't really need all these banks, physical banks anymore. Um, mm-hmm. You're going to have one center and you're going to have all, all these satellites, which is going to be mostly ATM kind of kind of place. Um, but anyway, capital preservation is huge. So if you look at track records and where to put cash, the banking system, I don't know. That doesn't make me feel warm and fuzzy. <laughs> yeah. If you look at yeah. what's going on in the financial world, if you look at bonds, uh, it's not worked out very well for a lot of people. Um, and you've got a triple what threat risk, whether it's interest rates, whether it's the 
uh, counterparty risk on a bond, whether it's the what and what the bonds denominated in. Uh, like I said, I'm in very interesting groups where a lot of people are trading different bonds from different countries, which then your currency risk exposure is a, is, a, is, a, is a big one. So that's kind of a no-no. So yeah, the insurance bucket is a, is a pretty good one. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, and you talk about the, the strength of those companies. I mean, we're, when we're specifically talking about some of the banking models, I mean, we like we, we, you know, we tend to use Penn Mutual a lot. I mean, there's a company that's been around since the Civil yep. War and managed through the Depression and hyperinflation and all that. And if people go back and if they, you know, at this point, those people are mostly dead. But the people are, who lived through the Great Depression, these were people who, you know, were really clung on to their whole life, uh, you know, their life insurance policies. That's all they had left after that, Right. And, um, yep. and so there, there's a, a significant value, uh, component to that. And beyond that also the, uh, you know, we we call it sort of investing with benefits. Your yield may be similar to a bond or something like that, but on top of the fact that you're creating legacy, but you're also, um, effectively able to use that as leverage for other, you know, cash flow investments and things like that. It just, uh, a very strong, uh, you know, strong play in my opinion right now, whether that's on the whole life side or if it's on the index IUL side. So, yeah, if you think of those companies, uh, Buck, and you're spot on, I mean, how far do you want to go back? I always say how people and institutions are going to behave in the future probably want to look at how they've behaved in the past if you're trying to guess that yeah um and i mean you look at this the civil war where you literally had two countries with two presidents yeah. and two congresses yeah. and two types of currencies and currencies greenback and yeah, greenback. Greenback. that's right that's right <laughs> right and and they were still profitable like yeah how crazy is that can you yeah. think of a crazier like environment yeah um and then the other thing that people don't think about is companies um, like you mentioned, such as uh, Penn Mutual, it's been around since 1847. What people overlook sometimes, too, is there was a massive banking crisis, like around the Great Depression, right? That led into the Great Depression. You had a banking holiday in the United States, right? right. Banks were closed, right? Um, and during that time, those companies still produced a dividend, which is profit sharing, basically, with their policyholders. So even during that time, we had a banking holiday. Right. Um, and if you you don't even have to go back that far, we sort of had a banking holiday and a stock market holiday yeah. during 9-11. Same thing, same yeah. thing. Um, and during 2008, 2009, uh, you remember that? That was yep. a lot of fun. Yep. Yep. <laughs> was, and and they still, I mean, these, these companies were paying between six and 7% dividends. So yeah, it's a definitely a very like a foundational piece. And then, you know, other physical things, uh, you know, if you just look again at what people are going to need, they're going to need a place to stay. Uh, they're going to need some food, some clothes. I mean, you look at all the different things that is lost basically on the chopping block, real, uh, yeah. really. Um, those are, and especially if they're physical, I think, are, are they going to have challenges? Of course they are. But I think you're you're going to be okay to position that. But you do have to be diversified. You have to put yourself in a position where you have different buckets, and you understand why you have those buckets, and you understand that those buckets are going to do different things for you. Yeah, and I, I would just say too that like where is the you know this is something I think um, uh, I think if if people are worried, I think it's it's a, it's a good time to to probably look into these types of products that are the most stable, probably uh, risk adjusted. It's hard to beat these types of things. But the other part of it is the, um, I think it's important for people not to become too scared to do anything. Um, you know, I think people, including myself, have lost some money in this, uh, in these, uh, in these days. And like, you know, I think that's a, that's a real eye opener because, uh, you know, I think, if you look at this market, it's been a, a bull market in you know, real estate and pretty much everything since, gosh, for like 14, 15 years. And that is not normal, right? It's not normal. So we have a lot of people yeah. who who have gone their entire adult um, uh, time in investing with having never lost money. And we think that's normal, right? It, and it's not. It's not normal. But it's really hard when you actually do lose money to accept that that's part of the deal when you invest. The goal is, you know, hopefully you're 
you're making money most of the time, but there are going to be periods of time when you lose money. And when you do that, you can't like give up, right? Because right now, I think uh, one of my, one of my colleagues, you know, talked about 2024, probably looking a lot like 2010, right? Where 2010 was sort of the time where people really could have picked up a lot of assets and wrote out that cycle, the next cycle and made a lot of money, but there was a lot of people who were too scared to do that because of what had happened. And so there's a balance there for sure. And I think being able to have the, um, uh, the, 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 the courage of your convictions uh, to, to be, try to think rationally is what, what makes a difference between somebody who's going to ultimately long-term make money and someone who's not and, and try to like, try to understand that losses happen. They do. They happen. They're real. So, yeah, and that's why you have to have a you in your strategy. You have to be diversified and right. be balanced. I had this conversation within my community that you know there were a lot of folks involved in 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 crypto at one stage too, and that's yeah. a cycle, and that's a very quick cycle. It's <laughs> you like learn a, four, a lot <laughs> four year cycle where you have like 10, 10 year cycles that just say in real estate. It, things could happen very quickly there, um, and. We were talking, you know, you probably remember this. You remember the crypto Super Bowl. Everybody yeah. remembers the crypto yeah. Super Bowl. The crypto Super Bowl, when you have Larry David going yeah. On, yeah. on every other ad talking about crypto, and you've got Matt Damon calling out your manhood, basically, if you don't buy, you know, crypto on whatever platform he was advertising, that's a top. That's a huge market top. It is so um, hard to recognize froth when you're in froth. It's amazing. And you look back and it's clear (laughs) as day, you know, but wow. I mean, people were just buying, right? Once you're in it, like you said, it's tough. And I remember people were reaching out to us and they're like, after that Super Bowl, should I be buying crypto? I'm like, you should first study and learn how it is. Learn the four-year cycle. You know, look at what happened in 2017. Same kind of cycle. And we're we're headed into another one now too. It's a wild roller coaster ride. Um, but what we shared with folks too that got caught on the other side of that is if you feel deflated and depressed and all that kind of stuff, you probably were overexposed and you didn't take you didn't take it off the table, you know, looking at that that cycle in the right you you wanted more upside, right? You you shouldn't have taken it off at a, at, a, at a certain level. So I think like in this market cycle we're at right now, we talked about um, having a, bu- a bucket of allocation for like guarantees and security and safety. Yeah. Another another thing that we're talking about too is tax strategy. Yeah. And also we're talking about estate planning, which I think is very important for your audience, Buck. Yeah, for so sure. So the, the whole thing about ta- taxes is like, you know, and you have covered this so well and talked about this with, with, with your guests, but I mean, to defer taxes right now yeah. into the future yeah. is almost insane Yeah, because I mean, if we look at, if we look at uh, uh, what's going on, uh, you know, just with the debt that everybody's in, pick your country, they're all, they're all in, uh, into debt that they cannot possibly repay. So, and of course, politicians are, they don't have a lot of solutions, uh, it's going to be raising taxes and, and making cuts somewhere. Um, that's usually the playbook. Um, the other thing I also just wanted to share, which is very important, is the changes coming to the tax code. And this is a huge conversation that we're having. In On January 1st, 2026, a lot of people are, might not be aware of this, but the... Um, the Trump tax cuts, uh, especially to the uh, estate planning side, mm-hmm. those are going away in January 1st, 2026. Yeah. So what does that mean? So that means for folks that are high net worth folks, and you know, I can pull up some very, very specific numbers just so that folks, because they just released the numbers yeah. for- They're Basically cut in um, half, 2024. right? Roundabouts, yeah, I think so, uh, it was twenty million for a couple. Now it's going to be ten. But what that means is, if you're an individual, like a single guy like me, it's like just over five, six, around five, six million. Which, you know, the I would say at least half my audience has a higher net worth than than that. 
Yeah, so right now 13.61 in 2024 for individuals, mm-hmm. 27.22 million for married couples. It's going to 6.8 million for individuals and 13.61 for married couples in 2026. So to your point, now there might be folks listening to this, right? You're either you could have a let's just say you have a net worth of 20 million. Well, this is something that you should be very proactive right now and not be not, not hold this off till the end of of 2025. Um, because, of course, do you pass away before January, January 2026? Yeah. You're fine. Uh, but you pass away after that. Now you're now you're in trouble. Um, and it's the same thing for someone that has a net worth of 10 million. If you have a net worth of 10 million right now, um, you're on the upward trajectory. That means by, by when the time comes, you're going to outkick this um, this tax estate uh, tax exemption uh, big time. So, so I would be proactive in that. That's kind of the conversation that we're having with folks. Yeah. You might have 10 now and you go, well, you know, I could make a couple of things here and there and, and be fine. Um, even if it, even if you're at five, really, and you're t- uh, going towards an upward trajectory, you should be planning. And there are strategies. I'm not I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a uh, estate planning specialist. Um, but there's a lot of strategies that you can do um, and be proactive on this because to your point, and let them, um, uh, um, there's a lot of things that people have to think about, you know, a couple of years out. Yeah. I think this is time and capital well spent right now. Oh, 100%. In fact, this. I would call um, this one the the stupid tax, right? The estate tax. And, and, yeah. and, and people call it the stupid tax because the reality is there's a lot of ways to avoid the you know the state tax but you got to do something about it and i'll just give you as an example we've talked about on on this show um the use of various trusts um you know i have an, yep. uh, i have a uh a nevada dynasty trust and um some of my businesses that well i shouldn't even call my businesses but some of the trust businesses were started in the trust rather than um, rather than for me from day one they've never been in my estate and so this is a there's lots of things that you can do there the other thing I want to point out and to emphasize that you mentioned is that a lot of people don't think that this is relevant to them and I guarantee you that's a mistake I would say for if you are a high-paid professional which represents the majority of, of probably of the people listening to my my uh, my show that if you're making a half million to a million dollars a year or something like that, you are going to accumulate wealth that will, I guarantee it, will exceed the limit of the estate tax at the time of your death because that number is just coming down lower and lower and lower. And it's going to have to because the, there's, as, as MC's talking about, they're just trying to figure out new ways to generate revenue. So uh, actually I did an entire podcast on estate planning. If you want to go back on the, if anybody's interested, uh, go back to uh, my back to school session in September (laughs) where I hit a lot of these things, but there's a, there is lots of things you could do. By the, speaking of, of taxes, uh, uh, have you MC heard about this uh, case Moore versus the United States? In the Supreme no. Court coming up, it uh, looks like um, there'll be some sort of decision uh, in um, yeah, it's by the summer. But it's a pretty big deal. There's it's 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 around this concept of taxation of unrealized gains, and um, and that is a big one, right? So if you're talking big about, one. I mean, uh, whether it's it's legal ultimately to you know to to, to tax people on money that they've actually not received, uh, that decision, um, is going to be, uh, you know, is going to be made by the, uh, the Supreme court. And, and what's interesting about it. Um, and I think, I think that, um, luckily, uh, the, the Supreme court right now is a little bit right leaning. Um, what they're doing is they've probably taken this, I talked to a tax prof- uh, a tax, foundation guys said usually they don't like tax cases but basically the 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 um, the lower court unanimously uh took this you know basically just decided that it was legal for the government to tax unrealized 
uh, uh, gains. And so then the Supreme Court took it. And so hopefully the idea is these guys are going to say, no, it's not. It's not okay. But it's a big one, and it's something to keep an eye out on because it's going gonna, it's gonna to be uh, there'll be a lot of legislative issues if, if the ruling. Either way, actually, is going to change a lot of rulings because, for example, we talk about in real estate um, or in any kind of uh, investment where if you have uh, cash flow, but that cash flow is being reinvested in, into the property right now, you're still paying. You're still paying, um, you know, for un- those unrealized profits. But in this model, that would be eliminated if the court decides against it. So there could be some good stuff, not only some not bad stuff, but some very good stuff that comes out of this, or it could be really bad. <laughs> so something to pay yeah, attention it's, to. It's, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Um, and, you know, somebody actually asked me on the weekend when I was sharing more information about this estate tax exemption, because, um, you know, we were talking about things we should be focusing on. And the, we've already covered all three in in this uh, the show, um, having that security bucket tax, proper tax planning, and then estate uh, uh, planning strategies. But um, the question that I got was, well, what if the government does something before that expires? And I started laughing and I said, listen, it doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter the balance <laughs> of Congress. Yeah. Uh, it, the, the overall environment, basically, to your point is, that they don't, they, there's not a lot of uh, people with solutions. So they're going to tax dead people don't vote usually. Um, so right. where, where, where to, where to grab a whole bunch of it pretty quickly and, and pretty easily. Right. And then the other part is a part of it too, is regardless of, of what side of the political aisle you're looking, the overall theme globally, whether it's in Washington, DC or any other country, you've kind of got the eat the rich kind of thing, right? Tax the rich. And um, my, and also, you know, my, my message to folks would be that if you're a high income earner, you know, 10, 15, $20 million in, in net worth, that's where they're coming for it. You know, the <laughs> the Buffets and the Gateses and the Oprahs, they've taken the pledge, folks. They've already got their estate planning in place, right? They've got their foundation. Yep. They've given it all away. They're they're good. They're not going after those guys and gals. So, um, yeah, so just make this a priority to take a look into it. You know, another strategy that I'll share quickly, you, you shared some with trust, with irrevocable trust and so forth. There's even, you know, irrevocable trust that you could set it up. Life insurance focused trust, sure. right? Eyelids, mm-hmm. you can put it right. in there. Uh, for children, the gifting is up to 18000 per parent, per child. Mm-hmm in uh 2024 so there's thirty six thousand dollars basically yeah um if per child that you could throw in and eventually uh, accumulate other assets in within that trust which is outside of your estate so again not a estate planning attorney not a lawyer but there's so many things that you can do yeah. so to your point don't pay the stupid tax <laughs> it's a stupid tax for sure right but you know and 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 one more emphasis on that if, if people want to do that kind of thing the importance of of doing this early is is uh, if you've already got a net worth, it's it, that is key because you're basically if you can get money into those trusts ahead of time, then you're grandfathering yourself into those laws, right? Like you can't they they can't back it out once it's in there. They it's in there. They may try to back it out, but there's there's no way they're going to be able to do that. So that that's a that's a key element. But uh, yeah, anyway, that's it. Yeah, that's definitely good advice. Um, are you looking at anything else that's uh, unusual in the cash flow world that we should mention? I know you're sort of, that's your thing, but you, 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 you talk about a lot of the cash flowing thing, which, which is great. I mean, I think um, one of the things we should probably bring up though, is I think, um, you know, in this space uh, there's been, this is a space that really requires due diligence, right? It's really important because what we're seeing uh, is is situations, particularly in the podcast ecosystem of, of um, you know, some things really blowing up and, and, and some of them being like, you know, Ponzi type schemes. Uh, we've seen, you know, uh, um, you know, things that just maybe were not stress tested as much as they should have been. Um, we've seen, you know, foul play. I mean, we, the, the thing yeah. that that's, I think, really tricky for people, it's one thing to lose money because the market 
right? And because you're supposed to once in a while lose money. You just, you're going to, whether, whether or not you want to, you're going to lose money at some point if you are an investor. But what you yep. don't want to have happen is people steal from you <laughs> because that's, that's a completely different level of thing. So, so when you do, cause you're, you know, you're a big uh, cash flow investor. How do you make sure what's your process? Because I mean, gosh, we're, we're getting to the point where if it's not, you know, if it's not real estate, we're going to require like, you know, third party verifications, things like that. And then you get into stuff. It, it's, you know, it's a different world of regulation and stuff like that. So where's the balance there for you? Yeah, I think like, um, so from an exploring standpoint, like even in the podcasting world, right? We vet our, if we have someone on that yeah. has a interesting idea to share, we really do our background checks yeah. and our due diligence. Yeah. And sometimes it takes so long and that's why, you know, when we bring out a new fresh idea, people are like, Oh, I, this, why didn't you bring this earlier? Well, we've had this idea for a long time, but it's taking us up yeah. until now to basically do our due diligence and feel comfortable to publish an episode on it. So yeah, there, uh, to your point, you really have to, because there are nefarious characters and undesirable characters in every industry. And unfortunately, you know, when you've had, a massive, massive bull market run, you know, from 2012, I would say up to 2022, what a run. Yeah. Um, I thought it would end earlier and then, you know, you kind of got the, uh, <laughs> the bailout packages yeah. and the relief funds yeah. and all the stuff in 2020. So that just brought another wave of, of, of just capital into, to markets. So yeah, when, when the tide goes out, what is it uh, Buffett saying? You yeah. know, you see who's been she swimming naked, naked, but there, yeah, there's a, yeah, there's, you should definitely do diligence. It's like, I, I can't overstate that. Um, and even start small and even, I mean, go to the point of interviewing and, and talking to people who's been working with an operator. There are some very interesting things that we've shared um, and that we, we've looked at. You know, one thing that's fascinating is where people have positioned capital to protect it and just grow it. It's not much of a cash flow play per se, but it's more of a capital protection and capital appreciation play. Mm -hmm. So things like fine whiskey, which yeah, is yeah. fascinating. Sure. Um, you know, and there's been a lot of, of people, very high net worth folks and people in my network that have invested in that. Um, and again, that's also, <laughs> you have to be so careful there. I mean, uh, it's who you work with, yeah. who you invest with, what time? I mean, there's a minefield right there. Oh just gosh, in that one niche. I mean, look um, at look so at here. The yeah. other thing with that is that yeah, and, and and I've tried to explain this to some of our folks is we've had things where we're doing and then we'll stop doing things, but for a period of time is that there's an ongoing due diligence re requirement as well, right? It doesn't start and end, mm -hmm. uh, and then you you just do it. Um, if you're going to do it right you're going to have to continue to do it. And so that, that sort of made, I, you know, I, I've stopped essentially, I don't, I don't really interview anybody who raises capital for anything unless I, you know, I know their operation very well, or maybe I'm an investor or something like that. But, um, yep. but these situations are like very difficult because, you know, people have gotten tangled in capital raisers, um, you know, cannabis deals, things like that. Like, yeah, people got really screwed. So, same here. Yeah. Um, the raising of capital right now. I mean, obviously, it's a very important. Uh, like you have to, um, you know, obviously take it very, very seriously, so like like you do. Um, so yeah, so that's why we, even though you know we're not we're not raising, we uh, we, and it's we 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 we, we f a structure it too is just very yeah. very educational. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you still, even if you're just educating folks or having someone on educating someone else about a topic, you really have to do your due diligence. And oh. that's another thing that I would share with folks too is where you take advice from and learn from is just as important where you eventually place well, your that's money. right because so diligence there too because here's the thing is that in the podcast space that one of the things that's tricky for podcasters like you and me is listen once you interview somebody you have whether you intend to do so or not you have legitimized them at least in terms of your you know what people think that you think of them right like i mean and so 
whenever I don't have that, like, um, I think I was thinking about having somebody on about horse racing and stuff like that. I have no idea what it is, but boy, I'm going to spend probably 20% of that show talking about, I have no idea, uh, you know, about this particular thing. Don't, 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 you know, don't look at this as a recommendation from me because I've had that happen where it's turned out ugly and yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. So, yeah. There's many different ways to uh, invest and make money. So there, there are a lot of different ways. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's again, every, you have to know yourself too. If you're listening to this, yeah. you have to, you have to figure out, you know, every single person know what their risk tolerance is. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if you, you gotta, you gotta set boundaries for yourself, which is probably the most important thing as an investor and stick within, within those boundaries. Fantastic, man. Well, it was good talking to you. Uh, we could probably keep going on forever, but uh, I think that's probably a good place to end it. And yeah, love to uh, love to catch up again soon. Thank you so much for having me on. And again, the podcast is uh, the Cashflow Ninja. You can find him everywhere. I mean, the the Cashflow Ninja is on you know, uh, video, audio, anywhere you find this information. Is there uh, anything else uh, that uh, MC that you wanna you wanna reference, Ru? Before we get off here, yeah, just ca- cashflowninja.com is, is all of our past episodes. We've done over a thousand episodes over there and yeah. interviewed people, for, you know, uh, such as yourself, the best minds in business and investing, talking about business, talking about real estate, commodities, crypto, blockchain, paper assets. We're, we went very, very wide. So if that yeah. interests you, Fantastic. check us out at cashflowninja.com. Thanks, buddy. We'll be right back. Self-storage is a necessary evil. It's where you keep your stuff and forget about it. No wonder this stuff is so profitable and recession resistant. The Wealth Formula community, well, we've benefited from that. We've made lots of money in this space with Reliant Real Estate, one of the largest self-storage companies in the country. With an average investor internal rate of return of almost 34%, with hold times just over three and a half years, These guys know what the meaning of velocity of money is. If you're an accredited investor, make sure to check out what they're up to right now at ReliantFund4.com. Again, that's ReliantFund4.com. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, MC Lobsher is a a real good guy. Uh, Check out his show, The Cashflow Ninja. It's been around for a long, long time and but you know, like I said, he MC's a guy with a good character. I, I do, uh, I do like him very much, and I think that's a good place to start for any potential uh, potential podcast to to listen to. Speaking of podcasts, I want to just plug again my own other show, which if you have not listened to, you really need to. It's called Sapio S A P I O with Buck Joffrey, and. This is a show that's basically based on one of my hobbies, which is uh, health and wellness and fitness and and longevity. If you look at me, if you look at my videos from now and you look at my videos from 10 years ago, I I guarantee you, you're going to say, Buck, you look younger now than you did then. I guarantee you. And there is a reason for this. There's, I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to do. And I I actually have not measured my so-called biological age, but I, I, I can pretty much guarantee you it's a lot younger than I actually am. And it probably is younger than I was 10 years ago. Want to know how I'm doing it? Well, check it out. Sapio with Buck Joffrey. It is a data-driven show. Lots of information there that I think that if you listen to it, uh, you may uh, you may find that you you look younger and feel healthier than you have in a long time. And a lot of these things that I talk about are not difficult to do. Check it out. Also, there's a, a website, sapiopodcast.com. There is a like a book that I've written, little book. It's called Living Longer for Busy People. And you might want to check that out as well. If you can't read the podcast, at least do that. This has been really a fun thing for me. So check it out. Uh, Let me know what you think. All right. That's it for me this week on Wealth Formula Podcast. This is Buck Joffrey signing off. 
Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time. Buck Joffrey here from Sapio with Buck Joffrey. Aging might become reversible over the next 10 to 20 years. It's already being done in lab animals, so it's just a matter of time. Our challenge? To be healthy enough for when that time comes. As a former scientist and surgeon myself, my goal is to figure out how to do that and to share it with you. I wrote a book called Living Longer for Busy People that you can download for free at sapiopodcast.com. You'll be amazed at just how a few daily adjustments can add years of a healthy life for you. Again, download it for free, sapiopodcast.com.